0: Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. Are you ready? Did you know there's even more than just this podcast? Go check out my website, houseplant-homebody.com for even more, and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at LLC. And as I'm sure you already know, each podcast episode has a corresponding blog post on my website. So make sure you check that out. And do not forget to rate, review this podcast and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing and subscribing. So more plant people just like you can find my podcast and social media. You can even help support your favorite podcast blog and social media by joining me on my become a supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you really just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's happened the previous couple months. All right, let's get into it. All right, so today's episode is English Ivy, which is a classic houseplant, and I feel like maybe... In the last few months, we've had some really classic houseplants, but I know I was going for more of the popular ones or more of the showy ones in the beginning for sure, or just the most talked about. But I'm getting into the nitty gritty of the plants that not a lot of people talk about it, but it's out there, it's reliable, they're awesome, and everyone should have them. That is English ivy. So what people don't know is that actually English ivy have Hundreds of varieties and cultivars. The funny thing is when working at the garden center shopping myself, I don't really see the cultivar names very often posted on the ivy itself. A lot of times you can get these in smaller pots for super cheap. Even in, specifically in the springtime and summertime when they're selling your annuals, usually they come in what we're called at the garden center I worked at, accent plants, or basically those plants that like to drape over the edge of the pot. That's where they're typically sold. And you can get them for sometimes 3 to $5 at the most. Now, obviously there are bigger versions or hanging basket versions you can get for a bit more expensive that are already well-established. But if you're just looking to start because these are fast growing, that's a great place to start for them. With the hundreds of different varieties out there, you can find them in your plain green, you can find them in a variegated form, in more of a frosty green variegated form. There are yellow variegation, white variegation. There are different shades of white and green, sometimes in the leaf. There are tiny little Half inch size leaves, there are, or not half inch, probably like just under an inch. There are also leaves that can get up to like three inches. So it really depends on the variety that you're getting of what it's going to look like. And there's lots out there. Whatever you like, pick it up and try it out. The fun thing about these is these can be grown and adapt to almost any structure you possibly want. So a lot of times you'll see these plants as topiaries, which is basically like trained into like ball form, circular form, any kind of particular shape someone wants, or even just trained to go up a trellis really easily. Obviously, ivy grows on the side of buildings all the time, so it attaches to whatever you want it to. You can also classically grow it as a wonderful trailing plant. They'll work almost anywhere. They're beautiful. So, commonly called English ivy, it is also called common ivy, and the botanical name or Latin name is Hedera helix. And I did include a link on the blog post. I would highly suggest you check it out because I'm not commonly familiar with all the different cultivars and botanical names. I did find a ton out there. There are hundreds of different varieties. But because I haven't specifically worked with variety names, I wasn't comfortable listing off a bunch of them. But Clemson University did have a really nice article that had some care instructions at the top, but if you scroll down to the cultivar section, that has a super long list of cultivar names and small descriptions of everything. And if you just copy and paste those names into Google, you can see what they look like. So, highly recommend checking that out if you want to learn more about specific cultivars. But most of the time, you're going to see a difference in size and color, and that's the main differences that you see in those cultivar types. I've had English Ivy on and off for a while now. I just recently had to get rid of my variegated one and I still have the green one currently but um, I have serious problems with spider mites, and actually I was reading a couple of the books that I have that specifically call out spider mites for these plants too. So, I'll get into ways to prevent that, but it's super common on these, especially in my kind of environment where it's a little drier in the house. So, that is the main downfall to these, is the pest issue could be actually a problem. I've also gotten scale a couple of times on these. So... We're going to go into that a little bit now though. So, let's start with the sun requirements. Okay, so English Ivy do their absolute best in bright light, but they can handle low to medium light, which I know is very confusing. And almost every website, every book that I found says the same range of things. Most of the books call out bright light specifically because that is best for them. But some of the websites I found do say, oh, bright light, medium, low light. Oh my God. Let me break it down. Bright light is going to be the best for the fullest foliage and the best variegation if you have a variegated variety. It is not necessary for your plant to survive. If you only have a low to medium light situation, just know that you might not have as dense growth. You might have slowed growth. And if you have a variegated one, you might lose some or most of the variegation. So that's the difference in the type of light situation you're going to put your English Ivy in. If you want the best looking plant, bright light is best. Now, avoid direct sunlight because that can cause burning but bright light would be best for it bright light meaning just off of a south window or just off of a west window is where bright light is going to be best and east window also does well especially during the peak season when it is more direct i guess but that's what i would recommend so You could also do artificial light. There's absolutely no problem with that if you have a grow light or something. I rely on grow lights heavily, as you've seen on Instagram or heard about me talking about it, but I do have a podcast all about that as well. I believe it's episode 63 if you want to learn more or the blog post that is on grow lights as well has a ton of different links and options with everything explained for you there. Okay. Let's move into water requirements. You know, the funny thing is I have Christmas music on in the background very softly because hello, it's November 27th and I'd like to decorate the day after Thanksgiving if possible. And I did. So I've been listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving because I'm also that person. But so if you hear it, I'm very sorry. (laughs) Not really. Um, (laughs) But I just have it on softly in the background. I don't think you can hear it because this microphone is so good. Okay. Sorry. Moving on to water requirements. Um, The best watering habit for ivy, far none, is the most annoying watering habit I could possibly explain, which is medium moisture. It is you don't want to let the plant sit in water, but you don't want to let it completely dry out. So, in this case, in my, um, I guess, experience with ivy, it's better to water them a little bit more and just have a very well-draining soil. And as long as the water is running out of the pot, and you're not letting it sit in the bottom of the pot or the bottom of the saucer for long afterwards, that is best. Now, I would also highly recommend a couple of other things to do with watering and humidity for this plant because of the chance of spider mites being a little bit higher with this plant. Humidity is important for it. If you can, there are other things things you can do where you don't necessarily need to buy a humidifier for your one English ivy if you don't have one already. When you're watering, you could take it to your sink or wherever you water and just rinse off the leaves at the same time as watering. That way you're going to water really thoroughly you're going to help prevent the spider mites. You're going to clean off the leaves and it's not really going to be sitting in that much water when you bring it back to its saucer or anything. That is probably the best way to water your plant by doing that for ivy specifically because of the potential pest problem, because of the fact that they need medium moisture. So they do need like a good drink of water, but you don't want them sitting in the water, if that makes sense. If you do let them dry out because you know me, that is the worst thing that I usually do. You will notice that the leaves will start to brown and they will start to drop um, quickly. (laughs) These plants are pretty resilient though. If you chop it back a little bit, it does start to grow new growth, but I wouldn't recommend doing that. It just makes them look really leggy and it doesn't necessarily fill up the top again. It just keeps growing from the base of where you cut it more. So, moral of the story, medium moisture. If you have the ability to pick up the plant, put it in the sink and water it, put it in your tub, have it underneath your hose outside, whatever, this does multiple good things for it. If you don't have the opportunity to do that, just make sure it's not sitting in water and then add some humidity if you can. Now, if you can't add humidity, it will be okay. But I noticed that my ivy did benefit from misting when I was on top of it or spraying, misting it every once in a while. I tried to mist it every couple days. That seemed to really reduce the amount of pests on it. So, if you personally think you're going to struggle with understanding the moisture side of it, I always recommend a moisture meter reader because if you're really on the edge of, ooh, should I water this or not? I feel like I just watered this like last week. That's the best way to gauge if you need to again because then if it's saying, oh, medium moisture, it might be the time to water. I mean, another thing you could do is just like poke your finger in the top of the soil. If the soil is still damp at the top, you don't need to be watering it. That's a lot of explanation for watering. Moral of the story, medium moisture. If you can increase humidity, do so. If you can't, but you can pick up and move your plant and water it in the sink, that is best. (laughs) There's the recap. Okay, let's move on to fertilizer propagation and another fact. Okay, so fertilizer is pretty simple. In my case, as I always say, I use Fox Farms Grow Big Liquid Fertilizer. I normally fertilize about every two weeks, and then that's typically from February through October. I reduce it down to only fertilizing once or twice in winter, and usually I'm I'm using probably about three fourths um, of the recommended amount of fertilizer on the packaging that I use, um, just because I'd rather under than over fertilize. So the other source that I found fertilizing for was the complete houseplant survival manual, which said feed monthly year round with a high nitrogen foliage plant fertilizer. High nitrogen is specific for foliage growth, which is why it's calling it out here. Fox Farms Grow Big does not have a specific high nitrogen plant food. If you do want that, it's the three numbers on uh, any fertilizer you see. It's like a three number ratio it's typically NPK, which is nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Nitrogen, which is what it's calling out for IV itself, is the first number. So, if you want a high nitrogen fertilizer, that first number needs to be the highest one, and that's how you figure it out. Most of the time, fertilizers will call it out as well, but if you're curious that NPK, usually it's like a it's, these aren't the numbers, but it's like a 0-0-0. If you see that number combo, but obviously different numbers, then that's what you're going to be looking for. And you're going to want to be looking for that first number to be the highest number. That's how you know it's highest nitrogen. And obviously there are several different kinds of fertilizers out there. I don't think anything is wrong necessarily. I think it's totally up to you. In my In my good rule of thumb is I always like to under-fertilize than over-fertilize. And typically when you're using like an all-purpose fertilizer that's not specifically for houseplants, usually it's a little, I don't know what the word is, a little more potent. So a lot of books and resources that I have found always recommend cutting it back one-half to three-fourths the recommended amount of fertilizer just to make sure you aren't over-fertilizing your houseplants. Because they are more delicate than your normal outdoor plants typically. Okay, moving on to propagation. Super simple. This can root really easily with stem cutting. So, just placing them in water or soil or really any medium you prefer. I have never really tried anything other than water and soil for the most part because I have my reasons. I'll list them in a minute. But perlite, leka, moss, any of that stuff are also great options. I have never used leka. One, I just haven't ever used it because I've always had luck with water. Um, I do know that perlite and leka and moss are always great options simply because the root has something to grab onto, but it's not as dense as soil. So, those are are always really good options. I am going to be doing a propagation podcast sometime in the near future. I think in spring sometime. So, I'll go into more of that stuff later. Um, Perlite itself and moss, I've always... Every time I see videos with it, it seems like some of the more delicate roots are kind of stripped off of it, which makes me nervous. Soil and water, like I can see the roots and soil. I just pick up the whole section and move it so I'm not messing with the root system that much. So that's typically why I keep to water and soil. I prefer water over anything simply because you can see it. It looks cool and you know how the plant is doing because you can see how it's doing. So easiest way to do it is stem cutting in water or soil, whatever medium you prefer. And that's the best way to propagate in English ivy. Okay, let's move on to the other facts. These are part of the Aureliaceae family and they're native to parts of Europe and Asia. I know that's very general, but I'm going to keep it general because they're such a classic plant and they are found everywhere. So English ivy, another fun fact about them is they can survive and like to be in slightly cooler climates and they're actually more comfortable between 50 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. So some houseplants that I've talked about, they cannot get below 60 degrees or 55 degrees. Otherwise, they will not like it at all. But staying between the 50 to 70 is where they're most comfortable in really 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 high heats like 80 90 degrees they're actually really uncomfortable and it can slow down their growth a little bit so just keep that in mind it's a perfect house plant because typically that's the range that your house is probably your house is typically probably between 60 and 70 degrees i know 60 is cold Maybe, maybe most people do 65 to 70 depending on the time of year but Anyways, perfect for a houseplant. The other fun thing is that according to the Healing Power of Plants book that I have by Fran Bailey, says English ivy are an excellent candidate for purifying the air around us. It is not only effective in filtering out formaldehyde and xylene found in cleaning products, but also traps airborne particulates such as mold, smoke, dust, which may affect allergy sufferers. So that was interesting to hear too. A lot of the books that I have don't necessarily call that out. This is one of those plants that has is a little bit better at doing that. It's a little bit better at kind of filtering all those toxins out. Just like Dracaena is also one of those plants that do that as well. So, okay, moving on to the other facts. These can actually grow very, very fast. As I've said, you can train them to almost any shape or topiary. So, I challenge you, if you want to do that, to definitely try it out. The mature sizing of these plants really depends on how you grow the plant. So obviously you can keep it smaller by trimming it and just making it fuller in a nice kind of hanging basket situation or tabletop situation. But you can also let it trail down several feet or you can create a giant tree topiary if you wanted to. Just totally depends on what you prefer and what you want to do. This mature sizing of the leaves depend on the variety. So you're going to see anywhere from a little under an inch or less than an inch to three inches for the size of an ivy leaf depending on the maturity, size, cultivar, all that good stuff. And the last thing I have today is that these are toxic to pets. Episode 31 and the corresponding blog post have more information if you want to learn more, but just keep that in mind when you're buying this plant and if you have pets. So, that is all about English ivy today. Super classic house plant. I think it definitely has a really good place in almost anyone's home and it definitely can be a low maintenance plant if provided with enough light and moisture and all that good stuff so I'm excited to see what you think go on Instagram or Facebook and comment on the English Ivy post and let me know how much you like them if you don't like them or if you plan to get one or if you'll never get one because I want to hear it okay thanks guys <laughs> Thanks for listening to episode 71 of Postplant Homebody, all about English Ivy. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this episode. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog page, you'll find it there. Also, don't forget to find me at Houseplant Homebody LLC on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast along with liking, saving, and commenting on social media. Odds are, if you like this podcast, someone else will too. I love to hear what you've learned from this episode or really anything that I'm doing and your plant experiences, so please share them with me because I love it. Also, you can help support your favorite podcast by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes, access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world to me, and I'm super excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. Also, don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for the brand new episode and blog post. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Well, hello. Hope you all are doing well. I feel like I have been kind of MIA for the last several months. And I know you guys are all understanding and know kind of what's going on between the wedding, the honeymoon, work being kind of crazy and needing to focus on it. And then just recently in the last couple of weeks, I had a family emergency, as you saw on social media. That's why this episode is delayed a week Um, But it's just been a lot. Now it's the holidays. So I'm going to continue being just like a little bit sparse on social media. Um, But the episodes, from what I understand, (laughs) are going to be coming out regularly as normal um, unless something happens. But I'll let you know if that does. So I really do appreciate you guys hanging around and still interacting with me when I am posting. Usually you can find me in my stories more than anything. So, if you want to make sure you catch what I'm posting or if you want to just see Houseplant Homebody or me, whatever I'm doing, you can turn on the notifications for stories specifically for Houseplant Homebody if you wanted to I don't think it'll notify you every single time I post one single story. It'll probably just tell you that I am posting a story. So, um, if you want to do that, there is that option because I have been a little bit more sparse. Um, the family emergency continues actually into next weekend. So you might not see a lot of me through the weekend um, and then I have one family thing after the other (laughs) in coming weeks. Um, My niece's birthday and then my sister is visiting again and then it's the holiday and then it's New Year's, which we have no plans. Thank God. Um, Who knows if that will change, but um, we have just a lot going on. So, um, it's a busy December. You'll see me in stories most of the time. um, And hopefully, I'll get to posting a few more posts as we go. But I really, 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 really appreciate all of you still supporting me and being there for me, listening to this podcast. Um, I recently, a fun fact, I got an iPad for my Christmas present, which I bought a little earlier based on budgeting and stuff. But um, I just downloaded, downloaded Procreate. So, I'm really excited to start testing that out. Um, trying to design my own stuff. Because um, I think I can. I, I'm more particular about what I like and I kind of have a vision for everything. Um, I like to do art and stuff like that. I just do not have time anymore, nor does it not stress me out in itself but for Houseplant Homebody I think it'd be really fun to do that and have that option for putting on merchandise and stuff I know I keep talking about merchandise I don't see it really really happening until sometime next year if not after that just because of life and things going on but podcasts gonna continue to come out um, and blog posts are gonna continue to come out and social media is still a thing So, um, I was just looking at the podcast episode list and I moved everything around a little bit. So, the next episode is actually going to be light explained. So, this has been something where I get pretty often I get questions about it and I feel like I do an okay job explaining in the podcast episode what I mean by medium light, highlight, bright light, whatever it is, but I want a place where it can live on Houseplant Homebody's website where you can reference it if you need to, to understand what someone is saying based on medium light or whatever, or what exactly that means. So, I'm going to do a podcast episode strictly on just light, what I mean by it. Obviously, I have the grow light episode, which I'll connect into that episode as well, just a little bit, just to help explain everything that way and what that means too. So, I'm really excited for the episode. The newsletter is coming out again as well. I don't actually have a specific day yet. Watch my stories on social media to find out. Because this weekend is the family emergency, stuff trickled into it. I don't think I'm going to have time to work on it. Um, And with the holiday being this past weekend, (laughs) I didn't really have time to strictly work on it either. I will be able to work on it after work this week, but I don't know if I'll be able to complete it. So, I'll let you know when it will be released but if you have not signed up for the newsletter that means you have plenty of time to do so so this newsletter will be a december and january newsletter because it is a bi-monthly newsletter so you'll usually get one every two months so um then the following one will not come out until february so this one will include the podcast episodes um that were done previously the the podcast episodes you are expected to hear in the next two months and any other random information. Um, I'll probably put some of my plant lovers gift guide information in there. Um, and Anything else I feel like would be very useful to you right now for your houseplants or plants in general. So, if you haven't signed up, go to my website, the newsletter tab or page and just sign up there. It's another way to connect with me. I always have the fear for some reason that if social media like breaks down or my account gets hacked or something, at least I have the newsletter, people. So if for some reason <laughs> that happens and you're signed up for the newsletter, you still can get access to everything. So I have that fear. Does anyone else have that fear or is it just me? Okay. I see enough of it online. You never know. Um, but anyways, sign up for it. I At least through the 5th or 6th, I probably won't have the newsletter out, but I'll give you more details in my stories this week and into next week probably just to give you a heads up of when it's out. I'll give you plenty of time to sign up um, and link it in my stories as well when I'm posting it. So thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for continuing to support me and being very understanding of my life outside of the podcast i really appreciate it um and i really love hearing from all of you so continue commenting sending me messages and all that good stuff remember the next episode is light explained in my stories i will be asking for instagram q questions for q and a's for the podcast episode so please make sure you submit those otherwise hope you guys have a great week and i'll talk to you later bye